Welcome to Hunter and Craft Radio. Hi everyone, this is Matthew Castell on Hunter and Craft Radio, and I'm here with Brett Patrontash of Coffee Mobile. And uh, this week, I'm actually really excited to be chatting with him because this is a guy who's been building businesses even before he finished university. So Brett, welcome. Hey Matt, thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. So uh, Brett, why don't you give us a little brief background on your career and kind of how you got to where you are today? Sure. Well, uh, my current position is CEO at Coffee Mobile. Coffee Mobile is an app that helps retail workers trade shifts and message each other. Um, and we're a fast-growing uh, Toronto-based tech startup. Um, prior to that, I guess uh, I started my uh, professional career while I was at McGill. Uh, and I started a business called Scholars at Your Service, which is a student painting franchising business. It's a bit of a mouthful, but what it is is uh, we teach university students how to run uh, painting franchises as a summer internship. These businesses gross between fifty dollars and $100,000, um, and it's a great way to learn about entrepreneurship, leadership, sales, marketing, all before they gra- these students graduate from university. So how, how did you get the idea for that? Well, when I was a freshman student at McGill, I actually worked for a competitor. Okay. Um, I was the top franchise manager in Eastern Canada, and then I said, hey, you know, let's, let's you know, it's probably more profitable to be the franchisor than the franchisee. Right. So I waited one year to get out of our non-competition clause, and then we started our own franchising brand. Nice. And what did you go to school for originally? I studied business right. uh, at McGill, okay. and I also took a minor in biochemistry. Nice, nice. So what happened after that? So after we started Scholars, we grew it uh, pretty fast to about $2.5 million in annual revenue. Um, at this point, I was still a student at McGill. Uh, and then, you know, after we grew that business to a certain level, it, it became clear that it was going to take a long time to get to $30 million. You know, it's a bricks and mortar business, so it's, uh, I can see us hitting 20 to 30 million in revenue maybe 10, 15 years from now. Um, but I wanted to move at a bit of a faster pace. Um, so I started learning about technology, dabbling in some angel investments in uh, some Montreal-based startups, uh, a couple in the Bay Area as well. And then uh, I took a gig as the director of business development with an app company called Ula La Mobile which uh, helps university students connect with their campus administration for course information, maps, okay. things like that. Okay. Cool. So, so just rewinding things, were you doing, was, was the first business that you started all going on while you moved on already to the next business? Uh, no, no. I was mostly, uh, you know, focused on one thing at a time. Okay. I focused on building one business right. and, and then I moved yeah. on. Awesome, awesome. So, so why do you think you decided early on to do your own thing? You said it's better to be, you know, an owner rather than a worker. But like, do you think it was something more than that that you saw an opportunity, or like, what, what exactly? Can you pinpoint the moment where you sort of decided to to do your own thing? Well, I think the moment that I decided to do my own thing was when I was, you know, ten years old, and I would cold call in the neighborhood to wash cars <laughs> on the weekend for like five bucks for a car and eight dollars for right. a van. Yeah. So I think me and my best friend at the time, we made, you know, 50 bucks each and four hours of work as a 10 year old. Right. And that was probably my first entrepreneurship experience. Um, but I think, uh, originally the money attracted it, you know, attracted me to it. Right. Um, when I worked with that competitor, I was able to make $20,000 as a 18 year old freshman at McGill. And, you know, the ability to put in work and get our results, uh, directly from my own efforts is really what attracted me to that. Right. And then from there, I guess, uh, you know, other, other anchors built and, and sort of grew on it from there. So... Tell us about your current project, Coffee Mobile. What uh, what's the story behind that? What's what are the goals there? 
So um, the story behind coffee is that, uh, you know, at Scholar's Agar Service, uh, which is the painting brand, uh, we have about 250 painters across Ontario and Quebec, and there was no way to communicate with them. You know, by the time 2012 came around, um, you know, already 70% of frontline workers had mobile devices, Android phones, iPhones. Um, and so you have this whole revolution of the next billion workers that are now being connected on mobile. So these retail workers, service workers now can gain access to enterprise apps, um, which is like a brand new phenomenon. And it's a, an early space and it's going to be a huge market. Mm -hmm. um, so we sort of recognized the gap uh, in the way national brands were pushing out content to their frontline workers and okay. said, hey, let's pounce on that and, you know, be an app that sort of helps connect frontline workers from the bottom to the top. So the, the, the idea there, did that come from just something that you observed or, an ex or experiences that you had? Well, I guess uh, it was experiences that I had had as a franchisor, so as a national brand, okay. having trouble pushing content out. I see. It was that coupled with the insight that I learned at Ulala Mobile, um, say, you know, when what they were doing for university students, and it was sort of that intersection of seeing what national brands were doing, um, which was nothing, and what you know these university students were doing to connect with and really get great engagement on that other app. Um, and with that intersection, I said, hey, you know, there's, there's huge space for a market here for, you know, picture 100,000 McDonald's cashiers connected across the world on an enterprise platform that makes their lives easier. Right. So in a nutshell, what would be the, the main benefits of using something like that from an employer perspective? Well, from an employer perspective, um, you know, that's where we started with sort of the enterprise approach mm -hmm. and the main benefits where you can communicate with your staff, post training content, post right. information to them. Um, right now, if you're, you know, uh, a national franchising brand, you know, in, in food service, uh, it could take 10 weeks to push a special down to your front line. And there's no communication layer that goes to the frontline workers. It all stops at the franchise yep. or, or a corporate, you know, a manager level. So by being able to reach your frontline staff and engage them, revenues go up, cost goes down. I mean, the, it's, it's pretty clear what the benefits are from that perspective. Absolutely. And then on the employee side? Well, that's where the real magic is. I mean, we, you know, for the first year and a half, we focused on enterprise out. And the sales cycle was very long. The rollout deployment process was very long. And we realized that the vision made sense, but it was the wrong go-to-market strategy. Um, so we really pivoted to focus on creating daily user engagement at the front line. So the benefit is shift training, workplace me uh, messaging, schedule access. Um, these employees right now use a scattered collection of Facebook groups, WhatsApp groups, text message, email, and there's really no you know workplace product that's made just for them uh, until now with Coffee Mobile. Right. Okay. So uh, how was it getting this one off the ground as opposed to some of the other, you know, uh, companies that you worked at, but also the original one that you founded there the, uh, while you were at university? Um, I'd say Coffee Mobile was actually easier to get off the ground than Scholars at Your Service was. Um, but I think what we're going through now is that pain point that was that pain point that we had had sort of earlier on at Scholars. I think for coffee, I had a bit of an entrepreneurship experience. So getting some angel capital together, that mm -hmm. came quickly. Um, but I think, you know, our real learning curve, you know, we're about just over two years into this now. I think our real learning curve kicked in, you know, six to eight months ago. And that's when the battle began. And that's right. when it got hard. Was that, was that kind of when you faced a main sort of challenge? Is that what you're referring to in terms of your pain point? Yeah, that's when we realized we needed to pivot to consumer up. You right. know, we had uh, we'd approached a number of more institutional investors about coming into you know investing in our company, and uh, people were frightened by the length of sales cycle for the enterprise accounts. Some people had had experience in that before. 
Um, and we realized, you know, this market's right for the taking. To win, we need to be about scaling to 100,000 users, then a million, right. five, you know, then 5 million users as fast as possible while the opportunity is still there. So switching the ship around from being a company that was focused on enterprise accounts to being a company, you know, in a new domain focused on user engagement and viral growth uh, was a challenge for us. And we're, we're still yeah. learning that space. Right. So what are you finding so far? I mean, there's a lot of people... Um, that I know, and I know that a lot of our listeners are also also trying to win that battle to become viral. What are you kind of finding um, as a strategy that's working for you guys? Any any tips there? Well, you know, it's all about trying different experiments, right? right? Testing multiple channels yeah. of distribution, and uh, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say we have the answer there yet. We have one distribution channel that's working for us very well. Um, but it's about doing different experiments in Facebook marketing, um, you know, different types of PR stunts, different types of uh, field and grassroots distribution, calling your users. It's you know try try a wide uh, you know a wide approach of a bunch of different tactics, and then sort of funnel in and double down on the tactics that are working for you. Right. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. So so maybe you can give us a, a kind of a day in the life of uh, a CEO at Coffee Mobile. You, you mentioned earlier that you you had a little bit more success in raising venture capital and things like that. I mean, I kind of, I mean, obviously not on a daily basis, you shouldn't be dealing with that kind of stuff, but maybe before we get into the daily, um, the daily routine, maybe just talk a little bit as well. Now that I think of it about this process of raising capital, I know, um, a lot of people, um, you know, struggle to do it. And, and so if you have any sort of uh, tips from your experience, it'd be really interesting to hear about that. Sure. Well, I mean, uh, you know, it's classic entrepreneurship talk, like build something people want and investors will come to you. And that's like the hardest thing. So I think if you have, uh, if you can do something that proves some entrepreneurship first with little capital in the ground up, you can get angel capital together from friends, family, other entrepreneurs in your network, people who know you and have seen that you've built a business before. Because when you're starting and when you're pre-product, um, you know, and you're just a team, people are just investing in the team, the CEO, the CTO, is this a group that can build product together and scale? Um, so I think, you know, do having a track record in entrepreneurship helps mm -hmm. if, uh, if you can start small with a smaller business, um, you know, that, that's a good way to do it. Uh, other than that, it's, you know, build something and scale users fast. Right. I was, it, it makes me kind of think, uh, something earlier that you said about the team as being the most important thing, you know, early on, uh, I've actually heard recently that, uh, from, from a VC that I respect a lot that, uh, in fact, he actually wants to be talking to entrepreneurs from a fundraising standpoint who failed many, many times. Mm. What, what, what's your take on that? I don't like to fail. I don't think that failure needs to be a mark on everybody's resume. Okay. Uh, based at, from, a, from a gross company perspective, everyone fails. I failed a lot. But right. when I fail, I like to pick up those pieces you know, while that company's still alive and mm -hmm. fix those problems. Right, so you know, at Scholar Tanker Service, we failed a lot, but that's a company that's thriving and growing still today. Mm -hmm. So failure is a part of entrepreneurship; it happens to everybody. If you can find a way to pick up those pieces, you know, and learn from those experiments and fail on a small level, um, you know, it's it's great to try to repair those situations mm -hmm. and then and learn from that and grow while you're still with that that corporation or that entity. Right, right. So the key there is is making sure that you can display from your failures lessons learned. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, um, just going to jump back to the day in the life thing. I wanted to sort of get an idea of what your sort of daily routine is, you know, as a CEO at Coffee Mobile here. Well, I mean, the job of the CEO is like picture a room full of balloons falling to the ground and you have to like tap each one and like prevent them, any of them from hitting the ground. There's a hundred <laughs> balloons in the air and you're just like tapping them all, trying to, right. 
trying to survive. So um, it's wearing many different hats. It could be marketing at the field. It could be motivating the team. It could be you know negotiating with uh, investors or trying to raise capital. It could be sending out emails. It could be uh, you know administrative uh, administrative management. I think what it all comes down to is you're the captain of the ship. Whatever needs to get done needs to get done. And if there's ways to delegate certain roles, you need to do that. If you need to roll up your sleeves and get dirty, you have to do that and be there with your team. Right. So I think that's as far as my daily routine. It changes. Uh, it changes on the season. I wouldn't say it changes every day, but you get into these like week long or four week long sort of sprints of activity, um, and that that's always a bit different. Okay, that makes sense. So one other thing too is any, any kind of like uh, any highlights, like memorable moments uh, in your in your sort of career as an entrepreneur. Actually, you know, just in, just at Coffee Mobile as a CEO, you know, moments where you're like, you know what, I I, I know. And, and from all the, the people that I've talked to, that there's highs and lows every day, right? And so maybe you can share, um, you know, an experience or, or a, a story that you have where, you know, you maybe experience an intense low, but then an, an amazing high. And that just like, it's one of those moments where you, you feel like you're really doing what you should be doing. Sure. Do you have something like that? Yeah, of course. Well, like, you know, you said it well, uh, the highs and highs and the lows are low. So it happens uh, all the time. Um, I'd say the lows are all the rejection. You know what I mean? You're out there pitching a product, pitching uh, customers, pitching investors, pitching developers and other biz dev associates to join your team. And there's a lot of no. And it's like to win in this game, it's like you just need to say yes more than everyone else says no. If you, just, <laughs> right. like, if you accept the no, then, then you lose. But you just got to say yes one more time and go for the win. So, um, you know, I'd say rejection is the hardest part, but it's so critical because it shapes you and it shapes the company. And when you get enough rejection, it's so painful. But, you know, you wake up and you say, listen, we, this isn't working. We need to pivot. We need to adjust our approach here. So we start getting more yeses from people. And that pressure, you know, shapes your company. Um, you know, and if you survive that pressure, then, then you grow. As far as the highs, I mean, at Coffee Mobile, like just the other day, so we are we launched uh, something called the Mall Channel, which helps. So you know, for our our app is uh, location specific. It helps these teams communicate at their stores. But we're trying different growth techniques. So one of the things we launched is a Mall Channel, where we'll use the geolocation services to link all the retailers retailers in a mall together. Um, and like we're doing some fun disruptive stuff. So you know, we ran we have about four hundred employees at Vaughn Mills, for example, uh, on our app, different retailers, and we ran a scavenger hunt in their mall. Um, okay. To, so we hit a $100 uh, Starbucks gift card in their mall, yeah. and every day we released one clue, sort of telling them where it was. And we had people messaging us, asking us, you know, can you give me, can you cheat, can you give me extra clues, we want to find it, we've right. been looking for this thing for three days. Well, these people were engaged though, so that's... Well, and that, that's exactly it, like that is the high. You know, that high is when you see, you know, a hundred users hunting for a coffee cart around the mall, <laughs> yeah. you know, that engagement, that that's worth its weight in gold. And that's yeah. what makes all that suffering and rejection and pain worthwhile. And you see, you know, users smiling and posting yeah. those photos on the app. They're, they're really getting a, a tangible benefit out of your, your product. They're, they're engaging with it. They're happy. They're, they're telling their friends, you know, things like that. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's like instantly back to low because you're like, well, how do we scale that experience for everybody? Right, <laughs> and the next challenge begins. Right, yeah, no, absolutely. So, what, so what, what motivates you on, on, on kind of a, a personal level to, to you know, want to do your own things? I mean, beyond the obvious things like money and prestige or whatever. But is there anything you know beyond that that sort of pushes you to to do what you're doing with Coffee Mobile to build a team? Because it's not easy, you know. I've been there. I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs about this themselves, and there's some days where. Or even if you're not an entrepreneur or a family, just some days you want to just stay at home and relax, right? Or you want to just uh, be out of the spotlight. 
you know, have less pressure on your shoulders. So I'm wondering what sort of is the big motivating force behind what you're doing? Sure. Well, uh, firstly, prestige does not motivate me. Uh, money definitely does motivate me. Yeah. Uh, as I think it should motivate all. Absolutely. You know, um, but I'd say, I'd say you have to have a deeper emotion emotional anchor as to where you see yourself in 20 years and what okay. you want to contribute to society. Like that's, yeah. that's really what it all comes down to. What's your legacy going to be? Yeah. What did you create? What did you contribute? Mm -hmm. How did you help make lives better for other people? And that's not like, you know, a, you know, I'm not saying how does our app make lives better for other people. It's, it's how can I create a hundred million dollars wealth redirect that wealth towards causes that can benefit society, like curing cancer or other types of uh, medical contributions. I mean, I'm sure. not saying I'm going to do that, of course, but of course. I'm just saying I feel like being able to make any type of substantial contribution in that realm of, of science, I think, mm -hmm. is, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's my, it's my long-term objective, what, what right. motivates me. So, so where do you see yourself in, in 20 years? Do you have any ideas about that, or is that too far out? <laughs> I used to know the answer to that question. I used to have a very clear vision in my mind. You know, I used to say like, this is where I'm going to be 20 years from now, like wearing that corporate suit, like at the top of that building, making those decisions. But now that I'm in tech, I wear a t-shirt every day. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's tough to visualize that. Um, I'll have to get back to you on that one. Yeah, I'll think about yeah, that. Maybe, yeah. I don't, maybe in our next session, I'll have a Sorry, think about it. Yeah, so, so beyond being a, a billion dollar company. Uh... <laughs> well, that's one of those objectives. Absolutely. All right, cool. Well, um, you know, just going on sort of broad level, uh, I'm sort of noticing, you know, anytime you pick up the newspaper, whatever it is, it seems like there has emerged this uh, reverence for entrepreneurship, this kind of uh, worship for the founder and the, and the startup guy, as opposed to, you know, in the past, the, the American dream, so to speak, or the popular thing was to, you know, get a job at a good company you know, and get your, your house on a, in the subdivision or whatever it is. You, you get my point, right? Sure. And so I was wondering to, um, wondering about your sort of perspective on the emergence of this, this uh, entrepreneurship culture. Do you think there really is a cultural shift going on and what, what kind of things do you think are behind that? Sure. Well, I think the movie The Social Network, when that launched, <laughs> I'm, I'm very serious. I think that that okay. movie inspired a generation of tech entrepreneurs. Right. Uh, and I think everybody looked at that and said, well, I can't do that, but like, that looks cool. Let's try something in that space. Yeah. Um, and now when you have this, you know, everything is tech. Every single business in the world is tech now, whether it's a bricks and mortar business or not. So it's, yeah, you know, every when, business is a technology business. Yeah, totally. So, so now that this infrastructure layer of technology has been developed from, you know, all the way from the 60s to 1990, 2000, and now, you know, now where we are here with mobile, with that infrastructure layer, you know, it's, it costs a lot less to build a technology business. And, uh, and everyone has large ambitions to be highly uh, wealthy and successful, you know, mm. so, and, and that vision has changed. That vision has mm. changed from being a partner at KPMG, uh, earning, you know, a million dollars a year to now that vision is, well, you're, you know, you, to be successful, you got to sell a company for, uh, you know, millions of dollars, right. whatever, that type of wealth. So I think uh, it's great. It's inspired a whole nation of entrepreneurs to, to get up and, and that's perfect because in the long term, that's going to create a lot more value for yeah. society. Do you, th you think there's also an element... You think there's also an element of uh, uh, wanting to kind of change the world? Is there is there that sort of element to it in the sense that people are, are redefining kind of what what meaningful work is, what a meaningful life is? Do you think to a certain extent? Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't really uh, I wasn't working in those those you know our previous uh, my parents' generation days, so to, I, I don't really have perspective or a mark right. on, on what they define as success in their lives. But mm. I think. I think for the last, you know, 100,000 years and more, humans have wanted to change the world and make it for the better. So uh, I think just as we're more connected, it becomes, uh, 
uh, easier to reach out to more people and make more change. Right. There's more visibility on what everyone's doing sure. to a certain extent. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So, um, based on your experiences, I mean, we can all have a perspective on this. None of us have reached the ultimate goal, but, uh, what, based on your experiences, would you say makes for a successful entrepreneur? What are the kind of qualities, um, that you think a person, um, should have if they want to be successful in starting their own business, let's say? Leadership, tenacity, perseverance, to name a few. I mean, okay. those are definite musts. Yeah. Um, as far as perseverance is probably the most important one. Um, I'm sure most, most people would agree with that. You got to be able yeah. to burn through the trenches. It's the person who, you know, you know, stops the battle last that wins. So you got to keep fighting. Um, leadership is key. You need to be able to motivate a team. You got to be able to inspire others. And, you know, going back to my ship analogy, if you're the captain of a ship, you need to have a crew that, that, you know, wants to join you and is willing to follow and join and partner with you. So if you can't inspire others to get on board, um, you know, you're, it's, it's challenging to be an effective uh, entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So I think leadership and uh, perseverance are probably the most important qualities. Right. And uh, so on the topic of leadership, uh, I, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile before I came and uh, I noticed that uh, you've done quite a bit of coaching and things like that. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Well, the first business uh, that we started, Scholar Taker Service, I mean, that is a coaching business. We train right. university students who have raw talent and teach them how to go out and sell, you know, $100,000 worth of re- worth of residential painting, mm-hmm. you know, painting windows, walls, interior, whatever, that stuff they've never done before, never had sales experience. Um, so coaching is, is exactly what that is. We call it the business development program because it's about leadership. It's about coaching um, and it's about imparting skill on other on others. So the only way to grow as a manager, to grow as a leader is to continually leverage yourself by employing additional individuals uh, within mm-hmm. your team. And to employ more and to leverage yourself and to delegate tasks, you need to coach, train, and delegate. Coach, train, and delegate. And then you get to the point where you have a team of hundreds of people that can produce tasks that are effective leaders on their own. Um, and you can move on to managing higher level tasks and, and training higher level executives at, at other types of delegation. So you know, I'd say, you know, let's add that to the list. Coaching and the ability right. to coach others is an impart skill on right. others so that they can replicate that action once you're no longer there mm-hmm. is, is a critical skill of entrepreneurship right. as well. So that's, that's really interesting that you say that. So would you say that at Coffee Mobile, you want to sort of, because I'm, I'm really interested in how companies, large or small, create cultures within their organizations. And so would you kind of say that you... Um, make it a goal for you to create a leadership culture within coffee mobile. Like, you know, I don't know you, you guys, maybe, I don't know how many employees, employees you got. We're a team of six, a team of six. Right. So it's a small team, but you know, the seeds are planted early, right? Sure. So is that something that you think about for your company? I think uh, leadership. Yeah, I think, but I think like we said, leadership, you know, leadership's a part of entrepreneurship. I think, the goal for us is to create an entrepreneurship culture. Right. So if yeah. you look at the key innovation of our team, culture kind of thing, yeah. yeah, it's, you know, we, we gather people who do not want to be employees. We gathered a team of people and co-founders who all had entrepreneurship experience, you know, on our developer side, mm-hmm. guys who had uh, sold, you know, tons of contracts, were earning $100,000 a year doing some, you know, doing contracting for their own clients, like Toyota, American Express, MasterCard, whatever. Um, so every single person on our team has entrepreneurship experience in right. their own right. And those are the people that can survive the trenches, you yeah. know, and those yeah. treacherous trenches that go deep into the subterranean realm of the <laughs> universe. 
Um, so you need people who know how to grind through that. Right. And it's like, so I, so I'd say leadership, sure. But we, we try to surround ourselves with entrepreneurs and create that entrepreneurship right. culture, which means work hard, play hard. You know, mm-hmm. we're mostly just work hard now. Though. Play okay. Hard. Okay. 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 So this is good that you say that because I wanted to ask you a little bit about work-life balance. How, how do you think that that kind of plays into, um, I mean, of course your role as a CEO, but also, you know, working in a startup, I mean, you want to have explosive growth, right? That's the goal. So, you know, to do that, you got to put a lot of work into it, right? You got to have that perseverance, but at the same time, how important do you think balance is in, in an entrepreneur's life, you know, maybe based on your experiences, but also what you observed? It's a good question. I, I, I'd say for me, I tend to balance things off in three year sprints. Okay. So balance for me doesn't mean, you know, going home at six and hit, like hitting the gym or going, you know, or relaxing or hanging out with friends. Like I would love that. That would be amazing. Right. But for me, I think it comes in, you know, three years on, two years off, three years on, two years off. Interesting. And what, what that means for me is like three years of just work. Yeah. Like no friends, no, no time, no right. whatever. You keep in, you're, you're close with your family. You're close, you know, people who couple are, anchors in your life, exactly, yeah. which is critical. Mm. You know, they're the pillars of your, your mental sanity. But uh, it's work, it's go time. You know, it's not time to, to date girls or to hang out with friends right. or party or whatever. Yeah. And that's the mode I'm in right now. Okay. And that's the mode I was in with scholars for a while. Uh, and then after we hit a big spike at scholars, I was like, well, let's let you know we we made some good income and we had we had built a good business and said, okay. You know, I'm in my mid-20s here. we got to enjoy some life here. So let's get back some balance. And that's when I kind of moved into the, you know, 9 to 6, 8 to 6 sort of work life. Right. Hitting the gym a lot, like loving life, going out, having fun. And then when we started coffee, I was kind of like that for the first six months to a year. And then it instantly switched to like, okay, there, you know, we're in survival mode here. Let's, let's get back to work. And so it's maybe not the healthiest advice to give to other entrepreneurs. But for me, it's, it's grind hard for years at a time yeah. and then enjoy the fruits of those labor. Yeah. No, that's that's I, no one's no one said that. I, that's the first time I've heard that. that. But that's an interesting one. Like there's there's logic behind that. I, I can actually uh, I can see that. That makes sense. So um, you know, talking about um, you know what's going on in Coffee Mobile and things like that. I want to jump back into that and look at sort of what you've noticed um, going on in the industry. Right, you're in social, you're in mobile, and so I was kind of wondering. Uh, what industry trends, like macro stuff, you're noticing? Obviously, there's things that you've noticed that you've been able to profit from, and that's the market that you're trying to capture. But I was also just wondering what sort of trends you've noticed maybe in the in the industry. Well, it's tough because I'm really laser focused on our space right now. Makes sense. You know, like while I was transitioning from scholars to coffee, I was doing a bit of investing. Uh, you know, working with a small syndicate. And that's when I was very market, you know, agnostic, learning about, you know, wearables, uh, mobile, web, consumer, you know, SaaS, whatever, uh, a bunch of different stuff, going to conferences, going to South by Southwest to learn, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, now that I'm not doing investing and I'm like laser focused on coffee, I'd say the, the only market trend that I'm focused on is the next billion workers, which is the concept of uh, a billion people across this planet who have never had mobile devices, um, some of them have it now, some of them will have it soon. Uh, you know, if you look at rural areas of Africa that are developing, that's part of the next billion workers. You know, it's, it's this new space of connected um, individual across the planet. And what are the different trends happening in that space, whether it's on the enterprise side, agricultural side, development side, uh, whatever it is. So that's, that's a huge trend that's happening. So 
perhaps it's very focused and specific, but there's definitely an opportunity for other entrepreneurs to build big businesses in that space. That's really interesting. So, so can you give me another example? Do you know any businesses in that space that, that you sort of look to as an example of, of capitalizing on the next billion? Is that, is that sort of like a, like a Facebook wanting to bring the internet everywhere and get everyone connected um, in the digital world? Is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Okay. I mean, um, I can't think of another specific company off the top of my head. There's, there's a handful of them that are renovating industries that are right for the taking here. Um, but like you said, that's exactly like Facebook getting the next, you know, the next billion workers connected on internet, on mobile. Um, so let me think, let me think if I can come up with a specific example. You know, if, I, I'm not going to list one now. I think that uh, there's a handful of great companies out there doing doing cool stuff. But okay, cool. So um, one other thing that I I wanted to to get at was, um, you know, you're early in your career. You you left school to uh, to pursue your your startups, and so that I guess wouldn't be the traditional route to do things. But looking back. Are you still sort of like what? What are your thoughts on that? Looking back, and also, you know, any regrets? Any anything you would have maybe done differently? Sure. Yeah, I mean, looking back, so what happened was uh, I completed about eighty three percent of my degree at McGill, uh, and I did not finish it. So uh, I was in my fourth year. Um, you know, scholars. I guess I started scholars in my third year of university. Um, started growing that. We did a hundred thousand in our first year. Uh, 200,000 the following year, and then we grew to 900,000 the next year. And that was the year where it was all in the line. You know, I had $50,000, the only 50, like all my money that I had invested in this business. Right. And we were either going to succeed or fail, and I was going to lose that money, or I was going to fail out of school, and I chose <laughs> to not lose that money for right. the business. So by the time I got to November, I withdrew from all my courses. Um, I started taking one course a semester for a while, okay. um, and then scholars continued to grow. We hit 1.8 million the next year, 2.4 the year after, um, and then eventually got to the point. You know, anyway, so I'll spare you the details, but it got to the point that uh, I, I just really couldn't finish, and I right. said, "Let's just continue in entrepreneurship." So, no regrets there. So, you think that that was more, you know, not not necessarily advice for other people, but more just very pers- like very specific to your circumstances. Kind of it thing. was driven by necessity. I think yeah. that everyone should go to school. You know, I work with, we work with, um, you know, 50 to 100 entrepreneurs in university each year across Eastern Canada. And I would mm-hmm. not advise any of them to drop out of school. Of course. A university education is very important. You know, mm-hmm. finish that, get your degree. Yeah. Um, I think when it could be acceptable to maybe consider another alternative would be if you're starting a business that is experiencing high growth right. and success, um, you know, financially. And if that's the case... And it becomes a choice between do I grow this business to $2 million yeah. or do I finish my degree? I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah. And I think at that point you can Risk make that Risk-reward calculation there. Yeah. yeah. You know, I always had the fallback saying, okay, if this doesn't work out, I'll go back and finish mm-hmm. my degree. Um, but it sort of worked out and we kept moving. So I think uh, I think it comes down to each individual That seems situation. like it was, it was probably one of the key moments in your life like that would probably define the rest of your life it seems like that right you know what looking back you're right you're right and um yeah i think we'll come across that point at coffee as well you know it's that inflection point yeah like all or nothing it's like you know entrepreneurship is like climbing a mountain on a steep cliff where you're trying to hike and you're always one step away from pure (laughs) failure and death so it's like it's like you got to make those those critical decisions and i didn't even think about that till now but you're right that was that was the turning point yeah, no, I, I thought of that because I, uh, 
I was reading, I, I was talking to someone about uh, uh, giving advice, and they said to me, I don't, I don't give advice, right? I just ask questions of people, and, and, and because I don't, I've never been in their shoes, right? And, and the point being that, you know, it's, it's extremely situational, you know, certain moments in people's lives where they just look at it and they're like, I just know that I need to either do that or do this, and, and that decision is going to determine the rest of my life. Like that's, I've heard that, I've heard that from different people. So it's interesting because I, I feel like that's a perfect example of that. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I think you're right. I think that becomes clearer in retrospect at the time. You're like, I just need to get me into the next day into the next yeah. day. And that's actually a good piece of advice. It's, um, sometimes in entrepreneurship, you feel that there's a lot of odds stacked against you or you just, you know, it, your brain's so clouded that you're saying like, how am I ever going to dig myself out of this hole and get to that next milestone? Right. But you have to break it down into monthly, weekly, hourly tasks, and then just at some point, just go day at a time and be like, what do I need to do to get me to the next day and the next day and the next day? And if you just don't let failure happen and you just survive one more day, one more day, one more day, eventually you get to a point where you're like, I don't know how we got through that, but we're here now. And so, you know, let's keep going. Okay. So that's great. I was actually going to ask you what your, what your sort of one liner piece of advice would be to, uh, to people trying to build their dreams. And so that's kind of what it is. It's, it's, Think incrementally th- sometimes. Is that sure. sort of what you're saying? Or? Yeah, I'd say that's good advice yeah. for any entrepreneur who's trying to try to build a business. Set goals, break those goals down into tasks that are quantifiable and measurable right. at every level. And you know, you can't go out and build a billion dollar company by just saying, I'm going to go build a billion dollar company and try a bunch of different stuff. Mm-hmm. You need to break that down into tasks working backwards. I mean, I, I don't have that answer. Yeah. But for example, building like a $10 million company, you know, you got to break that down backwards and work towards that goal every right. single day. Yeah. Absolutely. So one last question before we wrap up here. Um, I wanted to ask you if there was any book in particular that had, a, or, or books um, that have made a bit of an impact on you. You know, I think that uh, in most uh, interesting, successful people's lives, they can sort of say that they read a lot. And so, you know, it's always good to be exposed to different ideas. So yeah, I was wondering if you've read, you know, a book or a couple of books that really sort of made an impact on you. Sure. I mean, typically I tend to read fiction because like reading is like Absolutely. an escape for me, you know, yeah. like, end of that day, take me to another place. But I'd say if I had to talk about business books, uh, the two that I would suggest are How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie right. is a incredible book about sales and psychology and understanding how to communicate with other people. Mm-hmm. It's a bit old school. It was like written, you know, it's a classic, 30 years yeah. ago, but I, I don't know the actual dates. So I'm sorry if I'm wrong about that. But um, definitely classic and definitely, definitely great in understanding psychology of sales and mm-hmm. sales is the most important is, is, is a hugely critical thing in business Absolutely. in every interaction a sale is made either you sell someone on why you're right and why they should follow you or they sell you on you know why they're not they're not going to yeah. you. So <laughs> every single conversation you have with somebody is a sale and then if i had to pick something more recent uh, a good friend a uh, colleague of mine uh, you know recently introduced me to the book called traction which is focused on growing uh, consumers scaling user acquisition mm-hmm. so i'm uh, focused on, on learning more yeah, I can definitely see the relevance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So I, I, I'd have read that. I wish I read that earlier. Yeah. I'm so focused on enterprise. I'm going to check that one out. That sounds great. And another piece of advice, just to close up, you know, if you want to build an enterprise SaaS business, go after the users first. We made that mistake. You know, I thought that 
I had a lot of sales game and we could go out and sell these national accounts. And we did, we got revenue, we got accounts, we didn't get deployment. It, it was lethargic. So if even, you know, I wish I had listened to other mentors who had suggested, you know, why don't you just go and get users on it? Mm -hmm. My answer was that time was, well, it's an enterprise product made for national brands. I, uh, I would advise everybody to focus on user up growth and then convert those to enterprise clients. That's a painful mistake that we've learned. <laughs> well, you know what? Thanks for that. And, uh, you know, that's a wrap. And make sure to check out Coffee Mobile, everyone. And uh, get at Brett for uh, any more information that you need. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. And, uh, guys, download Coffee Mobile. Make sure to leave a five-star App Store review in the App Store. <laughs> All right. Awesome.